I've got a, a word to continue on on our series here on God is. And uh, we learned, let's see who's been listening. Come on, a little review. First, we heard that God is what? Pastor April brought a message a couple weeks ago and said, God is, who knows? Who knows? God is. I'm <laughs> getting notes out. I'm glad that everybody's paying attention. God is not small, but remember he's bigger, right? God is bigger. He's a bigger God. And then we talked about the fact that uh, next week I brought out that God is for us and not against us, right? God is for us and not against us. And last week we said that God is my all in all. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. And I was ministering and ministering to the Lord and just studying and looking at the different attributes of God. And we see all these things that God is and, um, and what God isn't. Come on, how many know that's important too? That a lot of people want to put things on God and say God did this, God said that. And, and God didn't have nothing to do with that. There's a lot of things that God isn't, but we know what God is. And today I want to talk to you about the fact that God is just. Look at somebody and say, God is just. God is just. He's a just God. The word um, justly means, to behave justly means acting or being in conformity with what is morally upright or good. To act, to be conformity with what is morally upright or or good. And we know that God is good. Come on, for all you church folk, we know that God is good and all the time, God is good. Come on, is it God is good? And all the time, God is good. That's right. We can tell you've been in church a while. We know that God is a good God. He is good. That's who He is. That's His nature. But He's also a just God. The Bible says in Psalm 145.9, The Lord is good to all. Somebody shout all. And His tender mercies are over all His works. God's good. He's good to everybody. And his tender mercies are over all his works. Everything that he's created, everything that he's made, his tender mercies are over them. He's good. He wants to be good. The Bible says in Mark 10, 18, no one is good but one. And that one is God. God is the good one. How many know we try to be good on our own? Don't you try to be good? Come on. Cameron, you try to be good to your wife, don't you? You try. You try. (laughs) She said the key word is try. (laughs) But no one is good except for God. We, the Bible even tells us if earthly fathers who are evil know how to try to give good gifts to their children. How many know parents, we try to give good gifts to our children. But it says, then our Heavenly Father is the one that gives the Holy Spirit to His children. We try, we try, but God is the one that does it. He's a good God. But He's good, but He's also a just God. The concept of justice is connected with that. Those who behave morally corrupt will be punished. 
And those who behave morally upright will be rewarded. That's what justice is. And how many know that in this day and age, there's a lot of talk about social injustice. And a lot of talk about how this isn't fair. And that's not fair. And we could could talk about that till the cows come home. And in this room, there would be two different sides. There would be two different opinions, well, multiple opinions, about what is socially just and what's unjust. And politically, who's right? and who's wrong and culturally and racially and all these things there's all this division but the bottom line is God is the just one amen Psalm 1 Psalm 11 7 says for the Lord is righteous he loves justice the upright will see his face it's not about who you are but it's about God being a just God And I know right now, as you hear me, some of you are saying, well, if God is so good, and if God is such a just God, then why do bad things happen in the world? Why do kind people get treated bad? Why does bad things happen to good people? How many know the original intent, the original plan of God was a good one? Amen? Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts or the plans I have for you, says God, and they're thoughts of what? Good, not evil. So when God thinks about you, when God plans for you, what are his plans? They're good. They're not evil. But that tells you right there that there are good things and there are evil things. There are good, there are bad. There are just, there are good things. And God is both. God loves both. And so what he does is if you are in the right place, if you are morally right, you will be rewarded. That's what justice is. If you're morally wrong and corrupt, you will be punished. That's what justice is. And you know, the Bible says that God is not a respecter of persons. As I was praying this week, I just kept, I kept getting that in my spirit, that God is not a respecter of persons. God, God doesn't, he treats everybody fairly. Acts 10.34 says, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Now you got to understand what was going on here. This is where a time where the Jews were believed to be God's people and they believed that they were the only ones that had salvation. They were the only ones that God had blessed. How many know that sounds a little bit like today, doesn't it? Without me getting too political, how many know there's groups and sects of people that believe they're it? They're elitist. They believe that I'm the only one. For all through time, there has been groups of people that believe that they were it. And everybody else was nothing. I mean, we could go all the way back through history and see how people were treated unfairly and see how people were looked down on and treated less than human. And there was a group of people that were supreme and thought they were. But Peter is right here. And Peter just had a dream. How many remember his vision? He just had in a few chapters before that where a sheet comes down from heaven. He's hungry. Sheet comes down and says, rise up and eat. And he's saying, well, I can't eat that because that's not right. That's not good to eat and God says what don't call you do what I tell you to do don't call anything unclean that I've told you to that's clean he's saying there's no respecter you can do what I've called you basically this was a message Peter was getting up and preaching that Jesus has come for the Jews and the Gentiles somebody say amen 
How many in this room are of full-blooded Jewish descent? Probably none of us. Come on. So that means we should praise God that God came for the Jew and the Gentile. And Peter says, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation that hear the conditions right here, that feareth him. So if you write in your Bible, underline that. But in every nation that feareth him and worketh righteousness. What are the conditions to receive the things that God has said through Peter's sermon? You've got to fear God and work righteousness. If you want to be accepted by God, if you want to have what God is giving, if you want to be in that just crowd and be treated fairly and justly by God, then there's two things right here. Fear God and work righteousness. What does it mean to fear God? Does that mean, oh, I should be scared? Is that the uh, fear that your mom used to try to put in you for your father? Come on. How many had that mother? You just wait till your father gets home. Come on. Whatever you did, you just wait till your father gets home. I think I was more afraid (coughs) of my mother than my father for the longest because she was the one that was going to take care of business. My dad, he was so nonchalant, laid back. He just be like, this was his famous, his famous line of everything. (laughs) <laughs> he wouldn't even say anything. She'd be going, my mom would be going off saying, you need to do so," And he'd just go like this. <laughs> and then he'd go back to what he was doing. So I knew for the most part that my dad wasn't that big of a threat. But how many know if my mother, hello Pamela, I know you're watching. If my mother said that she was going to do something, she probably was going to do it. If you don't clean up that room, I'm going to spank your behind. I'm being nice because we're in church. (laughs) And I knew if I didn't clean up that room, I was going to get what she had promised. But my dad wasn't the the big thing. I told you before, he spanked me three times in my life. And every every one of those three times, I remember it. Come on, after that, I then I knew I had a godly fear of my dad. I knew I respected him. It wasn't a fear like he's going to hurt me, but it was a fear that if he spoke... I bet to listen. How many know what I'm talking about? And that's the way it is. God wants us to have an awe of him. Not a fear that he's going to punish us, but an awe of reverence that God is God and he's a just God and I love him and he loves me, but I need to do what's right because he is righteous. Somebody say the Lord is righteous and he loves justice. He's perfect. He doesn't show partiality to anybody. We think, well, God's going to punish this person, but he's not going to punish that one. God's going to bless this person, but he's not going to bless that one. You know, we see here that the Bible says he's uh, no respecter of persons. That word in the Greek, respecter, is a word prospolate. Okay. Prosopolapates. Prosopolapates. And what prosopolapates, say that that's easy. What it means is an acceptor of a face. Prosopon is face. And then it comes from labano, which means to accept, so to give or receive. So it's saying that somebody would look at somebody's face in the old days and they would give them a verdict based on their face. Now, how many have heard that before? They look at him and say, well, he looks nice. Come on, we've all said that. He looks like a nice guy. Come on, look, stand up, Cameron. 
Look at this face. Come on. Look at that. I mean, that is a face that only... I mean, that is a face that a mother could love. Look at that right there. He looks like a good guy, doesn't he? He looks like he wouldn't hurt anybody. You can trust that face right there. And so what they would do, judges in the days of old, when somebody would come and stand before them, they would fix themselves all up. And based on their appearance... Sometimes a crooked judge would say, well, let's see. He looks like he comes from a good family. He looks nice. He's got, I can see in his eyes that he's a nice person. So on that merit and that basis, I'm going to let you off and you're innocent and not guilty. Come on. But then give him a great big hand. Good, good looking face right there on the front row. And you know, we do the same thing today. How many have ever had to go to court? Come on, I know it was for something like a, a speeding ticket or a parking violation. It wasn't for anything serious like that. Uh, we don't have any of those people in here, but you know, <laughs> we don't have anybody that, that you're known on first name basis when you walk in the courtroom. But anyway, what do they tell you when you go to court? You need to dress up, right? You need to put on, back in the day, we used to put on a suit, put on a tie. At least you better wear a tie if you're going to stand before the judge. Why? Because you had to put on an appearance. You had to fix yourself up and honor and respect the bench. But it was also a thing is, if I look good, then maybe he'll let me off. And then we have even what we call character witnesses. Well, we have people that would stand up and say, oh, he's a nice person. He's a good person, Your Honor. I vouch for him. What is that? That is that word right here that's saying you can let him off. You can be good to him or her because he looks good, because he's dressed up, because somebody said something good about him. They accept his face. But the Bible says that God is not a prosopalates. God is not a respecter of person. He is not one that looks at the face and says, Oh, there's something good about them. There's something bad about them. They've got money. They come from a good family. So I'm going to bless them. God doesn't look at the outward appearance. Come on. God looks at the heart. Praise God. And there are people all over the world today that are making judgments that are prejudging people. We call that prejudice, prejudging them, that are saying because of the outside or because of your appearance, I don't have time for you or you don't deserve this or you don't get that. But thanks be to God that God looks at the heart. He's a just God. Somebody say he's just. He's a righteous God. He's good for all. And we see here in James chapter 1, it talks about what we have to do. We have to fear him. We have to have an awe for him. And then we have to work righteousness. James chapter 1, we see all these things here that God is telling us to do through the, through the brother here, through James. He's saying, love God under trials. Endure through temptation. Have patience. Be approved. You're going to receive a crown of life. He's going to say that um, if you have faith and not waver, you can receive from God. All these things that God is telling us right here be doers of the word and not hearers only when you do that you deceive yourself all these things are what we need to do and then we can have verse 17 that says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights God wants to give us good things. God wants to do good things in our life. But we have to be in the position to receive them.
We have to fear God and work righteousness. What is righteousness? Right standing with God. There's so many people that don't have that awe for God, don't have that godly reverence for him, even even physically anymore. It used to be that people would come into the house of God and they would have respect for the church. They remember you wouldn't steal from grandma and you don't steal from the church. Come on. Now people don't care. People desecrating houses of worship and doing different things. People come into the, uh, the presence of God any old way and they think they can receive from God. How many know there is a reverence that we need to have for God? Whatever happened to that? Whatever happened to the reverence for the house of God? Now I'm not saying it has anything to do with what you wear. How many know there are churches that think that? If uh, uh, some of you ladies in here are wearing pants today. I think all of you are wearing pants today. And you know, in a lot of churches, you would be very disrespectful today. They would call that wearing men's clothing. And that you can't receive anything from God because you're not wearing a long dress that dusts the floor. And you're not, um, you don't have your hair up in bondage. Come on, somebody. You gotta, and no makeup. How many know it's a sin for some women not to wear makeup? Go on. <laughs> I'm glad my wife is so beautiful. She don't have to wear makeup. <laughs> and you know, they think if you wore makeup, or jewelry, or pants, you weren't fit to be in the house of God. But how many know it doesn't have anything to do with that? Men, some of us, men in here, all of us, we, we would be kicked out because we have facial hair. Come on. You couldn't have facial hair. We couldn't have short hair or long hair. Yamil would definitely be uh, cast into outer darkness right there. It's amazing that Jesus wouldn't be welcome in most churches. <laughs> Of, on those standards here jesus had long hair facial hair and wore a dress come on somebody they would not like jesus coming into their church but aren't you glad that it has nothing to do with the outward appearance god looks at the heart he's looking for those that will fear him work righteousness and they are the ones that are accepted of him he's not partial god is good to all he's a fair god He's a loving God. And he wants to show his compassion to us. He wants to let us know that he's there for us. And one thing, I know this, this is meaning that God's not partial and it's talking about justice. But also, I just wanted to bring this out. That God is not a respecter of persons. He's impartial. If God did something for one person, how many know he can do it for you? Amen? We look at people all the time that get blessed by God, that, that God uses and God benefits them. And we think, how in the world did that happen? It must be because of who they are. It must be because they have the title reverend. It must be because they go to that church. It must be because they were born in that neighborhood. Come on, you can lay hold to everything you've seen because God is not a respecter of persons. Amen? How many have seen somebody that has received a blessing from God or has been used by God in a certain way? God flows to them and you think, man, I would love to be used like that. Then you know what you need to do? You need to say, God, if you can do it for them, you can do it for me. Come on, everybody say that. If you can do it for them, you can do it for me. 
I think of people in the Bible that said, of Jacob, that said, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. I'm not going to let go until I get what I came for. And sometimes in life we have to say, God, I'm believing that you're going to use me. I'm believing for the anointing. I'm believing for the touch of God. And I'm not going to let go until I receive it. We need to be like Elisha that says, I want a double portion of what you got. Come on, there have been men and women of God that I've been around. And I've said, Lord, I would love to be used by you like them. God, I just want a little taste of what they've got on them. I was looking at um, some pictures the other day and saw different um, men of God that I was with and taking pictures with them. And I thought, you know, it's one thing to stand next to somebody and take a picture. But how many know you don't know them? You, you go up, can I get a picture? Take a picture. And then everyone's like, oh, you know, so-and-so. Oh, you're friends with... No, no, I just took a picture with him one time. He couldn't tell you who I am. I, I left uh, college the other day. and was speaking at CFNI. And I walked out and I saw a pretty famous preacher right there. And walked by and I just said, now we've met before. We've met several times. We have a lot of mutual friends. And I just said, hey. I said, hey, how you doing? And he turned around. He's like, hey, hi, how you doing? Good to see you. And so we go to get in the car, and the people I was with, they were like, oh, do you know him? You know, he knows you? I was like, no. <laughs> I'm like, we've met several times. We have several mutual friends, and everybody's saying we need to get together. because. But every time we've met each other, it's been like in passing. And I'm like, he has no clue who I am. Believe me. He looked at me. He smiled. He acted like he knew me, but he doesn't know me. But I'm telling you, when you can get around people that have something on them that you want from God, how many know the anointing is taught? Is anybody awake this morning? I said the anointing is taught. Amen. The, the things of God are taught. You can listen to teaching. You can read that. They're taught. But how many know they're also caught? And I believe that the anointing is more caught than it is taught. I sat in Bible college for years and years listening to teaching, great teaching, wonderful professors. And I, I heard them speaking things that were great. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this is good. I'm writing notes. I'm taking notes. But I left up out of that classroom just hungry. I left out of there thinking, I don't want to hear these old stories. I want to do them. Come on, somebody. And then I've been in situations where the mantle has been falling. And I've got there and I've said, God, I receive from this person. I'm going to catch everything they have from them. And I'm going to get it. And it's going to be part of me. And I've done that. I've earnestly desired the spiritual gifts. That's what my Bible says. It says to covet them. To earnestly desire them. And what you do is you're... You're receiving, you're laying hold of that. You're saying, God, I know that you're not partial. I know that you're not a respecter of persons. So if you did this for David, come on somebody, if you did this for David in the Bible, then you can do it for me. But what did David do? David messed up, but he didn't stay there. He repented and then he got alone with God and he worshiped God. He led a lifestyle of worship. So how do we get what David got? We turn around, we get alone with God, we have godly fear, and we work righteousness. Come on. If John the Baptist was a great soul winner, and he gave his life to spreading the gospel and being a forerunner of Jesus, then we can do that. God can use us to do that. But what did he do? He sacrificed. 
He gave of himself. And so when we do those things, fear God, work righteousness. God is a just, loving God. And he's going to mete out the good and the bad. He's going to bless those that are blessable. And those that are punishable are going to be punished. And you might think, well, man, people have done me wrong. People have hurt me. People have treated me bad. And yet they got away with it. Let me tell you something. They didn't get away with it. They didn't get away with it. I have left jobs before when I've been treated bad. And I felt like... uh, I felt like Seely's sister, Nettie. I felt like I was leaving and saying, (laughs) everything that happens to me is happening to you. And I tell you what, I felt like I told him, I I remember one job I left, they treated me bad, and I was leaving. I said, let me tell you something. This place will not be the same because I'm not here. I said, because God's blessing is on my life, and everywhere I am, the blessing of God is. And because of the way you treated me, because I'm not here anymore, the hand of God is going to move. And the guy just looked at me, the the manager, and it was a restaurant I worked at in Tulsa. And after I left, I came back in there a few months later, and just to eat. And man, the manager comes over to me, and he says, I need to apologize to you. I said, oh, what's going on? I'm sorry. No, what, what, what? He's like, I know I treated you wrong. See, I had told them that I couldn't work on Sundays. And before I got the job, I said, I can't work on Sundays. Everybody works on Sundays. I said, I'll tell you what. I'll work on Sunday, but I'm going to come in after my first service, and I'm going to leave well before my evening service. Okay, okay. And every time I would do that, people would start talking and giving me a hard time. And then he scheduled everybody for Easter Sunday. And I'm like, of all Sundays, if I can't work on Sundays for church, then you think I'm going to be here on Easter? Everybody's going to be here on Easter Sunday. I'm not coming. Everybody's going to be here. And so I didn't come. Nobody would take my calls. And so I sent a fax. <laughs> and I, I time-stamped it. And I said, I, I'm well within the time. I'm not coming. And then he wanted to fire me over it. I said, look, I'll leave, but... It does. I, this was unjust, unfair. And so he comes up to me. I'm sorry. I've got to apologize. I said, that's all right. You know, I'm doing good. He said, no, no. He's like, I got to apologize. I said, I'm fine. God's blessed me. He said, no, that's why I got to apologize. He said, whatever you did when you left here, <laughs> he said, you need to undo that. Whatever curse you put on. I said, I didn't put any curse on you. He's like, no, whatever that thing was you said when you left here. He's like, ever since then, he's like, I can't keep anybody in here. He's like, we've had all kinds of things. The fryer broke, this broke. I said, all I know is I'm blessed and where I go is blessed. <laughs> Come on, let me tell you something. God will mete out justice for his children. Amen? Come on, he's a just God. So they're going to get what they have coming to them. That's all I'm going to say about that. 
The Lord has your back. He's for you. So you might be here thinking, man, people have treated me wrong. People have done me dirty. Guess what? It's not going unnoticed. If you are the upright, if you are the righteous, God is for you, not against you. He's a just God and he loves, I'll read it again. The Lord is good to all. His tender mercies are over all his works. So his tender mercies are over you. And then he says, the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. The upright will see his face. When you live upright, you're going to see the face of God. But those that need justice are going to get justice. Somebody say amen to that. And God is no respecter of persons. He's going to do it for you. He's not looking at the outside, but he's looking at your heart. Cameron, you can go on to the piano. I want you to know today that God is big. He can move mountains that are in your way. Anything that you're facing that looks insurmountable, God is bigger than that. You're not alone. God is for you. He's not against you. He's on your side. Know that God is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's everywhere at the same time. God, you're everything. You're all in all. But also know that God's a just God. And in order for all those things to work in our life and on our behalf, we have to do those two things. We have to fear the Lord and work righteousness. I think it was a couple weeks ago I told you people go through situations and they want to then come to God and, and act like they're the most loyal people. They want to, you see them in church all the time and they're walking away from the enemy. But then when things go good... God fixes everything, then what do they do? They get hand in hand with the devil again. And they leave the one that blessed them. But I'm here to tell you, God doesn't look at you just because you came to church. He doesn't look at you just because you dressed up. He's a just God. He's looking at those that heart is pure, that you fear him, that you work righteousness. That everything is good between you and him. He loves you. He's not respecting you. He doesn't look at your face. He looks at your heart. So God, we thank you that you're a just God. We thank you that you're a good God. We thank you that you're a jealous God. That you want a relationship with us. And God, I just pray right now. For your justice to flow like a river. God, those that have been doing wrong to the household of faith. God, let them know they're not getting away with it. God, I know that we don't have to work on it. We don't have to take things in our own hands. God, you're going to do it. We just hold our peace and let the Lord fight our battles. That's a word for somebody today. You've been thinking about taking matters in your own hands and how you can get back at somebody, how you can make them pay. But God is telling you today, just hold your peace. Worship me and I'll fight your battles. So God, I thank you for that. And Lord, I thank you that you're not partial in your blessings. God, you're not partial in your bestowing of gifts. So God, we just stand ready like Elisha. 
ready to receive the mantle that we're desiring. Ready to receive the blessing like Jacob. Help us to hold on and not let go. God, we're ready to receive everything you have for us. We're ready to walk in newness of life. We're ready to receive the gift of salvation, the good gifts, Lord God. Save us from ourselves. Save us from the path of sin. Save us from things that would harm us. Save us from wrong thoughts and situations and circumstances and choices. God, we thank you that salvation belongs to us. We thank you, God, that if you did it before, you'll do it again. 